Welcome to episode 26 of the Philosopher Science Podcast, the podcast about free, liberty, and open source software for science. Today, Patrick and I are interviewing Bhavani Ravi about Pandas, a Python data analysis library. Hi, Bhavani. Thank you for being with us today. Hi, thank you, David. Could you please introduce yourself? Currently, I'm working as a research engineer uh, with a bunch of researchers, and I move their ML models to consumable products. I also run a bunch of tech communities in Chennai. Uh, Notable ones are women tech makers, the one from Google. You're working mostly on backends for machine learning. Uh, what kind of backends are you working on? Uh, so basically, research engineers, all they do is they read a bunch of research papers and come up with ML models. And my company, Sama Technologies, is focused on using these ML models for uh, pharmaceutical companies, uh, basically life sciences. And we have a bunch of data analytics platforms and all these ML models get integrated into the platform. Okay. Are you allowed to talk of any specific applications your company is working on? Uh, the broad spectrum of things is uh, once you have a drug ready by, by the pharmaceuticals, um, it probably takes around six years for the clinical trials to happen and then for it to come to the market. So basically, if you have, uh, if someone has a cancer, then the turnaround time for a drug to reach the patient is about six to 10 years. So the product primarily focuses on reducing that bunch of time spent on clinical trials, how to fast track them. And this particular area deals with ton of data. And every time there is a lot of data to deal with, there comes machine learning. So it's pretty awesome. Okay, like to target specific formulation for new drugs to cure some disease instead of going randomly, like pre-selecting those to allow them only to test those on uh, clinical trials because the trials are not always successful. So you did not want to waste time and money on unsuccessful drugs or dangerous drugs. Uh, basically, the drug creation part is pretty easy and it's already uh Technology has already taken over that part. So the the primary focus of our business domain is on the time spent on clinical trials alone. Once the drug is ready for people to use. Okay. How can they accelerate that then? Also, you seem to be involved in the Pandas project. How did you got involved with it? Uh, during my one year of complete backend engineering time, uh, I was building this other product called Kissflow. And this is completely away from the life sciences or anything that I've said so far. Uh, this was primarily a B2B product and we were, along with the product came a reporting module. So this is like a tableau, but completely built in house for this product. So as a part of the MVP, we were trying out a bunch of uh, all these uh, data analytics tools and pandas was one of them obviously and when i was doing that when you actually build a reporting platform i found a bunch of missing pieces that was a part of pandas and uh, i also like reading code a lot i went ahead and read pandas code and it was pretty straightforward for me to make changes so i just copy pasted that code pandas code and made changes in-house and then i later uh, raised issues and actually made the code part of the project Okay, so you got an interest in the project by using it quite a bit extensively, and then you, you started meshing with the community and interacting with them. Okay, yeah, good. Yeah, because, yeah, the commonly people suggest you to, you know, go ahead and uh, just spend a lot of time on 
the issues or spend a lot of time on their documentation or just start with the test cases or something of that sort. But for me, if you kind of use it like a critic, then you would probably find a lot of loopholes and you can actually volunteer to fix all of them. Okay. Okay. What would be your one minute elevator pitch for Pandas? If you have a lot of data and if you want to play around with them, visualize them and come up with interesting insights, then Pandas should be your choice. Okay. So how do you use Pandas in your daily job? Um, okay. So after moving to Sama, which was which is just three months, I kind of do one Kaggle competition every day or every week. So every time I start a Kaggle competition, the first line I ever write is import Pandas as PD. So that's how much I use it. And as a programmer, I also hate Excel. I, I can never master it. So because I run a communities, all the data I get uh, as registrations or anything that I had to do, I will just load all the data into pandas and do whatever visualizations I want. Okay. So you said you import panda right away when you start a new program, but what does pandas bring that basic Python like and why such a tool is necessary? When we talk about machine learning, we de deal with a lot of data. Again, all these data comes from uh, may maybe a database or in Kaggle, it's pretty much CSV files. And I cannot imagine uh, doing what Python Pandas does with just pure Python. It's going to take me a ton of time initially. That's number one. And Pandas also has, uh, because I work with the code base, every small code change that you do goes through like nine steps in their uh, pipeline. And they have rigorous test cases written and it's highly maintained. And the code standards are like It took me about six months to get my single piece of code in. So they have such high standards. If that is available, I would never imagine implementing what Pandas does directly in Python. It would be like re-implementing the wheel. Okay, so it accelerates your development workflow to use Pandas instead of writing the basic lines to 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 to, to redo this what when it does, and it's reduced a lot of errors in your final product. Exactly. Um, It's fast, easy, and very straightforward to use. And their APIs are also extensively documented. So yeah, I'm a big fan of Pandas here. <laughs> okay, so you mentioned that one of the applications of Pandas is to prepare data sets for machine learning algorithms. Can you, a little, can you explain to our users what kind of manipulations are necessary to use data sets for machine learning or what do you have to do to make this data sets prepared for machine learning algorithms? Uh, that completely depends on the kind of data we are dealing with. I have never worked with image. I worked uh, pretty much on numerical and uh, textual data. So there are like minimal starting things that you would do. If it's text, you would probably use word to vector or something of that sort to convert all your words into numbers. And if it's of a categorical data, then you go through a bunch of uh, encoding techniques. If it's a binary category, then you go for binary encoding or one-hot encoding or feature hashing of that sort. So it completely depends on data. And uh, when it comes to data transformation, Pandas is pretty straightforward. All you have to write, write is your data transformation uh, logic in a Python function and then use dataframe.apply and it's just one line does the magic. 
Okay. So we looked at the Pandas webpage, and Pandas claims to provide high-performance, easy-to-use data structures and data analysis tools. Can you elaborate on the high-performance aspect, since Python is not known to be performant due to its interpreted nature? I'm not sure if the interpreted nature would be a problem here, but Pandas primarily is in-memory data structure. So the volume of data that you can handle is pretty much dependent on directly proportional to the amount of memory you have. And of course, it becomes a problem when you exceed beyond a few gigabytes of data. You can't load all of them into your actual RAM. So there are a bunch of uh, pipelining techniques that you can do, and there are a bunch of uh, slicing and dicing you need to do to, you know, actually make use of the whole data. And I haven't explored that part, but there are like Spark pipelines that you can use along with Pandas to get things running in production systems. Okay. And so, as you mentioned, the amount of data you can load is really limited to your memory of the computer. So what kind of data formats can be loaded to Pandas? Uh, it It is pretty much straightforward to load anything from CSV to uh, directly loading your data from SQL or, uh, or Excel files. So those are pretty straightforward. And I have also worked with uh, MongoDB for quite some time when the reporting modules database come from MongoDB. And uh, they don't have very, uh, Pandas doesn't have a straightforward support to MongoDB as such, but uh, loading data using PyMongo, which is the MongoDB library for Python, and then into Pandas is not more than five lines. So, Would it be difficult to extend this functionality to a new file format? For example, if you have some simulation files from Paraview or something like this? Uh, I never looked at one such file. So, Okay, but would it be complicated to load a different file format or would I have to write a lot of lines of codes or is it easy, straightforward to do? If I have the data in Python, or would I have to be careful to convert data, or what could be some pitfall to do this? Okay, anything that you have as a Python dictionary or a list, you can pretty much load that into Pandas, or even JSON for that matter. Okay, as long as I can have a JSON file or a Python data structure of my own file format, it's easy to go. Yeah. Okay, what kind of data structures are provided by Pandas? It's just two. Uh, one is called the series. It's very similar to a Python list. And the second one is data frames. And data frames are a collection of series. So each row in a data frame. Data frame is, uh, the analogy would be tables. And each row in a data frame is constructed of series. And all of these are heterogeneous. So it can have, one can have a integer, another can have a string. Okay, so it's pretty similar to the data frame in R in the in the in its structure. Okay, good. Can you inform us about the different data analysis tools provided by Panda? Sure. So it internally has uh, things to visualize and group data, and you can also perform a bunch of operations on it, like uh, calculating a mean or variance or uh, if you have any custom functions, you can just write that function in a Python as a Python function and then just apply it to one of the cells or co- rows or columns. Okay. 
But for example, if I want to do machine learning on this data sets, I would have to use a different library like scikit-learn or how would this work? For machine learning algorithms, of course, you, you have to use sklearn or anything of that sort. But for analyzing your data or performing a bunch of statistical operations, Pandas is good enough to do it. So, and is it easy for scikit-learn to use this data structures from Pandas, or do I have to convert it back to pure Python data structures, or can, for example, scikit-learn use this data structures from Pandas? Once you have the data structures loaded and transformed into Pandas, uh, using it in scikit-learn is pretty straightforward. You don't have to do any transformation at all. Okay. And can I use, for example, matplotlib to do plotting, or is Pandas using matplotlib, or how is plotting done of this data? Yeah. So I don't know. Uh, during my initial data, days of Pandas, uh, you had I had to use matplotlib. Uh, I'm not sure when they actually integrated it, but now Pandas comes with its own. Uh, it has integrated matplotlib, and it has its own uh, way of you know drawing the plots, and it's very straightforward. Uh, I, you don't have to learn at another library. Right. Once you have the data frame, you pretty much choose which rows goes to the x-axis, which column goes to the y-axis, and it just gives you what tasks you want. Okay. Uh, with the end of support for Python version 2 uh, coming really soon, actually being passed uh, on January 1st, a lot of code may have been written with uh, Python 2 in mind, probably in the Panda code, or a lot of people using Pandas maybe have code in version 2. Can you elaborate on the transition to code for version three of Python? Like, was there a big transition in transition in Pandas to go from version 2 to version 3? And if someone has code uh, in version 2 of Python, how hard is it to migrate that code with pandas in version 3? Or has the syntax been kept the same along the way? Uh, I've used pandas primarily on Python 3, so I'm not sure how it's actually in Python 2. And pandas also said they're going to stop support for Python 2 from Jan 1st. And there are also a lot of issues in GitHub saying the difference something that's working in python 2 is not there in python 3 so this is something that's ongoing i guess not sure okay so the transition to python 3 for uh, pandas is not yet completed uh, i'm not sure okay so do you know of other companies using pandas or have you seen companies using pandas except of the company you were working the current company i'm working for is completely using pandas for all the machine learning purposes because without that uh, data loading is going to be a nightmare and uh, any research that we do like i said any jupyter notebook that you open will have pandas in it so that's how ingrained it is do you know if your company is contributing back to pandas for example donating money to them or are you allowed to work on new features for pandas and if you develop this feature, are you allowed to contribute it back to the open source project or does your company do anything in this regard? Absolutely. Uh, one of the reasons they hired me was uh, because of the Pandas contribution and we didn't have a formal interview or anything. I just walked in and showed my Pandas code and they were like, okay, that's it. The interview is over and here is your offer. So they are pretty open to uh, contributing to Pandas or any open source library for that matter, and we have people contributing to PyTorch or uh, TensorFlow, all that. Okay. So what about universities? Have you seen that universities are using Pandas for teaching or 
Yeah. Have you used during your studies pandas in university? Unfortunately, uh, universities in uh, Chennai or I don't know India or that evolved for that matter. But students are exposed to pandas a lot via community work uh, like uh, GDG, Google Developer Group, or there are like a lot of Python groups in Chennai, which expose them day in and day out to a bunch of Python tools. But universities, it will take some time for them to incorporate all these new technologies into their curriculum. Can you recommend an easy tutorial for our audience to start with pandas? Okay, this is something I can actually do because uh, I've been trying to learn pandas for quite some time uh, before I actually started learning it. And the biggest problem with uh, learning pandas is not its uh, syntax or not what it can do. Uh, the biggest problem is uh, understanding the data. So the first thing you would, should do to understand pandas is know your data. If you have maybe your grocery list or uh, your student's data structure or your sales data or something like that, understand the data completely. Once you have the data in hand, then you might want to do a bunch of things with that, like uh, doing some transformations or finding the mean or uh, plotting a graph. So that was the biggest problem for me. So the moment I figured out how to play around with data, what my data is and how to play around with that, things pretty, became pretty easy. Uh, my favorite two uh, articles are from DataQuest and Analytics Vidya. So they have pretty much covered end-to-end -end of Pandas. And Pandas documentation is itself pretty extensive for you to get started. And a bit of self-promotion here. I also wrote a, a four-part series on getting started with Pandas using use cases. So I take a an existing data set and walk you through what that data is and how do you perform a bunch of operations using pandas. Good. Can you send us the link? We'll include them in the blog post. Sure, definitely. Okay, perfect. Do you know of any book available about pandas? Uh, no, I never used a book to learn pandas, so okay. <laughs> I would not recommend any. Do you know on what other Python libraries does Panda depend on? Is there any dependencies? You, you mentioned initially Matplotlib was kind of integrated within Panda. Is there other libraries that are imported at the same time when you import Pandas? Uh, Pandas is built on top of uh, NumPy, the numerical Python library. Uh, so that's kind of goes hand in hand. Uh, and top of that, uh, for date handling, they use Python date util and PyTC. Okay, so let us talk a little bit about the community behind Pandas. So what is the main communication channel within the project? Primarily anything that that's around, you know, uh, raising an issue or proposing a new feature, everything happens in GitHub issues. And on top of that, we also have an email list uh, where all the co-developers kind of uh, make the big decisions. Uh, you can pretty much subscribe to it and basically have a have a hand on you know what's going on behind the scenes things like oh, where the community is going or oh, where what happens to pandas when python 2 goes out of its way things like that happen in that email chat and they also have a monthly call uh, where these discussions actually happen over a call okay and as far as i understood you contributed to pandas so how was it for you to contribute? Was it difficult? Was it complicated to get your pull request merged? Was the community really helpful? Or can you explain what you had to do to get your pull request into Pandas? 
Okay. Uh, Pandas was my first ever open source contribution. And the moment I raised a request, uh, raised an issue and said, you know, I want to actually write the code to go close this issue they were pretty open about it they were like just go ahead and do it and all it took me was just one weekend to push the code into the repo but they have a very strict process on you know the quality of code the kind of documentation that goes into it naming of the variables and like i said the pipeline is actually eight steps of testing right from your commas to actual test cases you have to have certain amount of coverage and all that so it took me about uh, three months of on and off part-time work to actually get my code in. But that was a, an extensive learning experience because the importance of quality of code, the importance of pushing everything to the right standard, I learned a lot from that. And people were constantly giving comments after comments, uh, patiently uh, helping you to improve along the way. And it was the best experience Okay. Which skills would be required to contribute to the project? You submitted Python code. What other programming languages are used within Pandas? Is there like C libraries underneath to accelerate some stuff? Uh, is there translation? What other needs is there for Pandas itself? I think they, there are pieces that are written in C, but I'm not sure about it. But my, my code was pretty much on Python. And just by knowing Python well, you can... Uh, you can pretty much contribute to a lot of places in Pandas. Okay, so it's mostly Python code. Mm -hmm. Is there a list of easy first-time bug fixes for new users who may want to contribute to the project? Every issue in GitHub is kind of tagged as an end comment, and we have a list of good first issues. And the community in itself is very supportive for first-time contributors. They know you are a first-time contributor and they kind of make everything easy for you. So good first issues and community is what's going to make things happen for you. Okay, so it's uh, quite open to new contributors in that sense. Do you know if there are any other tasks where not much programming is involved, like translating documentation or helping to write documentation? Or could anyone who is not really firm in Python contribute to this project? Absolutely. So Pandas also has these things called uh, Python sprints, uh, which happens both offline and online, where the whole idea is to bring people in to contribute in whatever ways they can. And I was also part of one of those uh, online Python sprints. And the main uh, task was, there was to, you know, being setting up a website or writing your pipeline scripts or fixing up the documentation, all of that stuff. So there is a bunch of things that happens beyond code and If you're interested, absolutely, the doors are always open. Okay. Now we would like to switch to a slightly lighter topic. What is your vision about flaws and the importance for the industry? Do you think companies should use open source software or they should not use open source software? Since I'm working with a lot of engineers, there's like enormous amount of talent pool. And I also have friends in civil or mechanical engineering from that aspects, but Because of open source, it has like opened up a lot of tools for us to explore software and uh, see what it is without spending a lot of money. And I think that's what makes this industry what it is today. Uh, we would not be having this podcast if not for that. So I think the industry should be open to it and also uh, let their developers spend time on you know giving back to this community. Okay. 
you were saying that using Floss software can have negative impacts? Um, I don't see any. Okay. Uh, we're almost done with the interview and we'll proceed with some of our classic quick questions. In recent years, what do you think was the most notable scientific discovery from your point of view? The black hole picture was top notch because I had to no longer um, sell people on what is the importance of Python. <laughs> Good one. <laughs> uh, what is your favorite text processing tool? Text processing and machine learning. In any sense of the term, because text processing could be could be grep, could be LaTeX, could be Word, could be Nano, could be Emax, could be... <laughs> okay, so text processing as in from the document point of view is uh, I pretty much used Google Docs in and out. Uh, from as a text processing for machine learning, my go-to things are NLTK or Spacey. Okay. Is there anything else we forgot to ask you or that we should have known to ask you about? Um, I'm not sure who are the target audience for the podcast, but if you are beginners and if you are scared of contributing to open source, there's nothing to be scared about. All you have to do is go to the GitHub and say that, you know, some part of the code is missing and people will just take you through the process of how to make your first contribution. So you're just one GitHub issue away from making your first open source contribution. Okay, is there anything else you would like to share with us? That's it. Thank you, Bhavani, for your time in this interview. For our listeners, what is the best way to contact you? Uh, I'm pretty much active on every social media out there, so you can find all of them at bhavanilavi.com. Okay, we'll include the list into the blog post. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This will be all for today's episode of the Floss for Science podcast. I hope you enjoyed the interview. You can reach me on Twitter at DLPK. And you can reach me at underscore DBrass or both of us at Floss for Science. Also, we are on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music and Spotify. You can help us by recommending our show to your friends and colleagues. Our website is on flossforscience.com where you can find all of our contact informations and a link to our GitHub page where you can submit subject ideas for future episodes. You can also listen to our episodes or find the RSS feed to get all of our interviews delivered directly to your favorite podcast player. Our current schedule is to release an episode on the first Wednesday of every month. We hope you enjoyed the show and that we will see you all in your next episode. Bye. Bye.